another episode of go ahead mama it's danielle and kate your favorite moms um kate it's been an emotional week for me for a number of reasons between the news and my daughter starting nursery i don't know when i've stopped crying this week (laughs) oh no how how did it's been I mean, so, yeah, just just so everyone kind of gets an idea of where we're going, I'm going to talk about the nursery stuff, oh my gosh, but then, you know, we've got the news with um, Ahmed Mohammed getting arrested for building a clock, and then we have, I mean, I'm still reeling over some of these uh, Syrian refugee crisis images that are coming through, particularly the one with um, Island Kurdi on the beach, I just I just can't get it out of my head. So, before we get into all that, yes, Kate, how, uh, you're, you're asking me how it went, and I'm, I'm avoiding the question. It was hard. <laughs> Can we just say that? It was so hard. Um, I wrote down all of my emotions about what I was feeling the first day. And like a couple of them were, if I enjoy this, am I a bad person? Like, what if I like <laughs> my daughter going to nursery? Um, how do I deal with that? And then there was a the fact of, I'm always frightened that someone's going to do something harmful to her or will they neglect her? And, you know, after a few sessions now, I realized that a lot of that was just built up in my head. It's just like the fear of giving power over to someone else. I will say that, oh man, this whole finding caretaker things is just, it's just such a serious process. But then when you do it, you're kind of glad that you did it. I don't know. Um, I'm going to have more thoughts, but, but Kate, can you, can you give me a little insight into kind of how you went through this process? I know that you've done it a lot earlier than I did. Oh yeah. So right now my son's at home with his dad, cause we just moved and, and I'm very lucky there, but, um, he went to daycare in my building right when I went back to work at four months and it was both more and less traumatic than what I expected and what it sounds like you're going through because he didn't really get what was going on. He was like, I'm a lump. I just figured out how to focus like two feet in front of me. So, so this is all very, like everything's new. I don't care. That made it a lot easier. <laughs> I know right now the babies are a little crazier. Um, and, even just like getting a babysitter for the night, he cries a lot more than he used to. And it's a lot more traumatic. Um, but yeah, when, when he first went in, it was just, it was just me. Like the, the upsetness was entirely one-sided. Like, and it was the same exact thing where I really, really missed him when he wasn't there. And I really felt bad about how awesome it was not to have him there all the time, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's what I've heard from most of the moms that I end up talking to about daycare or nursery as the case may be, um, with our continental friends. (laughs) That conflict is really hard. Um, we've kind of talked about it before. Like, I love you. I want you around all the time. I really don't want you around all the time. Um, and it's so <laughs> weird. It's so weird to be of two 
two minds about it. Because I don't know, for me, when when Artie's like with someone else, with a babysitter or in daycare, if I'm not thinking about it, I'm doing great. But that's the problem is that I'm not thinking about it. So anytime I think about it, I get frustrated and a little nervous and I miss him. So it's easy to overestimate how upsetting it is. Does that make sense? Actually, that makes perfect sense. I think one of the things I, I was totally underestimating how upsetting it was on my end um, to the point where I turned to my husband on Monday and I was just kind of like, life is good. Everything's great, but I'm so angry. And he's like, oh, you're a little antsy tonight. What's going on? Oh, I forgot. It's Monday, the day before Dowdy goes to nursery. <laughs> Doug is a smart man. <laughs> so, you know, there's a there's a lot of underestimating how emotional it is. And I think one of the things that I've I felt that I've noticed with a lot of the women that are going, you know, I have one friend in particular that's going through it right now with me. Our both of our children are at the same nursery. And it's just it's just such a crippling feeling to not have, to not feel like you can do anything to help your child transition. Um, I think there are things we can talk about what those tips are now that, you know, both of us have kind of gone through it, but I really felt lost in that first moment of there. Like, do I sit with her? Do I not sit with her? Do I keep going? Do I just drop her off and she'll adjust? Like, you know, does it really make a difference if I stay for an hour versus 30 minutes? You know, so there are just all of these questions and I ended up walking out the first day, just feeling very helpless. Like I can't help my baby. She's in there crying. What am I supposed to do? But we have to do this because this, this is important to us. This is something that as a family, we decided would be helpful, not only for me, but also for her socialization as well. So I ramble through that, but that's, those are those feelings. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that is the toughest. Like the tears, the yelling, the like when they figure out how to say mama just to like drive the knife through your heart <laughs> and you have to walk away while some stranger is holding your crying child. That is like whoa, that's horrible. That's horrible. It's so horrible. One thing I wanted to add to this is one thing that's Maybe you can, you know, give out some tips to Kate now that you've been through it. But one of the things that I had to hold on to throughout this process was understanding that there was no way my daughter would understand that I was going to come back for her unless we did separate. Like that notion of mommy will always be there for you and she will come back for you is something that is only learned when you actually leave and then come back. And it's just been weird that that's been the one thing that has kind of kept me strong and kept me going through this um, throughout this time. I don't know if there was any kind of thing that you convinced yourself during the process. Right. Yeah. And this is one thing, you know, like I said, when I was dropping off Artie, um, he was so young, he didn't really get what's going, what was going on. Now that he's a little older, like... He gets upset when I take him downstairs to the car because he knows they're going to drop me off at the bus. Um, as he gets older and more aware of the world around him, some of those things are even harder. Like, it's one thing when I'm like, I know what's best for you, and I can and I can just drop you off and know that it's the best thing for you. But when he's actually crying and upset, um, it's kind of like... Suddenly, I have to actually double down on this abstract lesson I know that is important. And that's 
getting tougher and tougher. And it's just like, I guess it's just something you get used to. I hope it's a muscle that you can strengthen being able to think of what's best in the long term, but it's really tough. Well, because it's also walking the line, right, of understanding what is best. No one's telling you as a parent, here's the guideline on what's best for your child. You're kind of figuring it out as you go along. And here's the other thing that I want to talk about, okay, open up soapbox size medium. (laughs) It does not help when other parents or people that don't have kids, I'm actually anybody starts to insert their opinion on what actually is helpful for your child. Like, I think it's great that your kid didn't go to nursery or daycare. I think it's great that you didn't have a child mind or a nanny or, or a babysitter. But if that's what I need to continue to be the best parent for my child, I actually could give a flying explicitive <laughs> what you thought on the matter. Um, uh-huh. I just feel like throughout this process, there's there's been a lot more of, oh my gosh, you know, like, you know, is is she going to be okay? Or aren't those people really young? Or, you know, there's just like all of these really stupid, unhelpful comments. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know how to help you. Just go away. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be the bad parent and take my daughter to nursery while I have to deal with her crying. On top of it, I've got to hear your dumb ass in the back of my head. Clearly I'm upset. I'm going to calm down now. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. Danielle, I didn't know you were dealing with that. That really sucks. That's really hard. Yeah, sometimes I'm torn because I don't have a ton of friends with kids. Right here, like, in my everyday life, I have some distance friends with kids, and I have, like, a, a few here, but we're all equally kind of, like, we don't know what we're doing at all, like, ever. Like, oh, you're decided, you decided to raise a child? Awesome. That sounds like a a good hobby. Uh, Let's figure out how we can do it without letting them die. And so it's really scary because because there's not that friend that you can ask like for answers, like capital capital A answers on how to do stuff. But on the other hand, it's really nice not to have somebody with preconceived notions of how to raise children and kind of the best case scenario confidence, worst case scenario arrogance to then believe and express that you're doing it the wrong way. Yeah, and I think the other issue that I find frustrating is at least... the people that the, these are not people that have had kids for years. These people do not have 15 year old children. They do not have 30 year old children. They don't even have four year old kids. I mean, they have the same age range as I do. And it's just uh, fascinating to me. I, and again, I've had a lot of thoughts through this. Like it's not just, you know, thinking through, okay, putting my child in nursery is something that's beneficial to her. You know, I've read on things. I've read about the pros and the cons. You know, I've made that decision not, not blindly, you know, and then on yeah. top of it, um, understanding that it doesn't help anyone, um, go through the process by having these, um, underhanded opinions. But here's what I've really figured out in the process, Kate, when these people are making their comments, most of them are just at some point insecure about what their decisions are. And they're just imposing their thoughts because I apparently seem confident and that's that's what's frustrating. I would much prefer, and I think this is what we're trying to do here, is that people just be honest about the, the shitty moments, the hard moments, the moments when you're frustrated, and the joyous ones as well. But if, at least if you're honest, people can support you and can be supported by you. If you're trying to put up a facade of perfection, that doesn't help you nor me, you know? So... 
Yeah. I'm just putting it out there to people listening. If you are insecure, kind of just say that instead of pretending to know what you're talking about because it doesn't help anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. You know, it's probably because I, I do know those moms like like my friends' moms and and, and moms of like the the four. 25 year olds I know in the entire world where are all the people in the twenties? I don't know them anymore. Um, but who really do know what they're doing and they're the ones who are more likely to be like, Oh, you're doing that. I didn't do that. But times may have changed like, or maybe crazy thought your child is different from mine. Let me know how it works out. I'm curious. Godspeed. <laughs> um, I mean, there just been so many crazy moments, but what I will say is that, there have been tears. There have been smiles. Um, she's dancing. She holds hands with the other kids in the nursery. Um, she is happy for the few hours that she's there a week. And I am happy having some time to think and read a book and vacuum without worrying if I'm traumatizing her because she screams so much when the vacuum is on. Like there are just such many small <laughs> blessings happening in this small t- moment. So I'm going to go ahead um, and pat myself on the back for making it through nursery week three. We, this is to be continued, to be continued. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really proud of you. This is a super hard transition for the record. Uh, listeners, we would love any advice you guys have, or just your experiences, how, um, how bringing your child into childcare has worked out for you. And, and, um, again, you know, like, Nobody knows everything, but you probably have some advice because as, as established, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> we have lots of questions. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know, I, I, again, continuing my week of crazy things people say to me because they think I'm not crazy and I won't punch him in the face. Um, <laughs> I had someone, but someone asked me, um, about what's happening with the Syrian refugee crisis. Um, they essentially said, how could people put their children in that danger? Isn't that like, that's just so selfish. And I, 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 while I was annoyed by the tone of the question and how it was presented as if someone had an understanding of what it's like to be a refugee when you are living as a citizen in a country that you were born in, um, you know, it, it, it fascinates me how people talk about topics. But one of the things that brought to mind was kind of like what circumstances people are in. And I think the the conclusion I came to is that if, if my family and, you know, if my child is in danger of being harmed in where we live, like if it is war torn, I can't say I'd be much better than anyone else and put my child on a boat in hopes that we would be able to get somewhere and, and to, to have a chance at, of safety. Yeah. I saw, um, I saw a quote that was like, it was something along the lines of if you're putting your child in, in the water, you have come to the conclusion that the water is safer than the land. And that was really horrible to read, you know, really smart and very painful to think, yes, they know that there are chances that their child could drown. Um, and they know they're going to a completely new country where they don't, chances are like no many people and they have, you know, limited job prospects and things will be very hard. They're, you know, you're not stupid. They've come to this conclusion that the 
risk is worth it, which just speaks to how awful, you know, how challenging life is to make you make that decision when you're holding your one-year-old. And yeah, we've, we've both seen, um, the, the pictures of, of Ilan on the beach and like, uh, um, I don't know about you, Danielle, but there are moments where in my daily life, I often think, you know, I'm a mom, but I'm also the same person I always was. And a lot of my thought, you know, thought processes are the same way. My political beliefs haven't really changed, blah, 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 blah. And then you see a picture of this little kid face down on the beach and he's got Velcro sneakers like your son's or like your child's. Um, and it's very, it's much, much closer than I think it would have been. Mm. I think that uh, even as you say it, I'm like getting teared up because I just don't, I don't know. I, and I, and I pray to never have to understand the desperation that comes in having to put your child at that level of risk. I think the other thing that came to my attention is that we only see, you know, and I think that was the thing about Island's pictures that he was one of so many and not just Syrian children. I mean, it's there. I mean, there are refugees living in, in, you know, that are getting moved from Dominican Republic into Haiti, you know, like that, you know, there are just so many of these things happening in the world around you. And, similar to what you were saying, Kate, like I looked at the, I looked at the picture, not because I wanted to be a part of the mass media hype. I looked at it because I needed in a sick way to like, see if I could, what, how I could respond to it. Like, what could I, what would I do? You know, like I, I, there's no way you can put yourself in that position until you're in that position. Um, and I just, again, I just hope that people, when they're talking about things, like I, it's so easy to discuss things when you're not a parent. And I'm not saying that parents or mothers have some special um, view on the world. But I, what I will say is that just like you, when I saw that image, it was no longer a sad situation. It was almost yeah. like I could immediately see my daughter. I didn't, yeah. I didn't see Ilan alone. I saw any little person that she plays with. I, I felt the power of her smile. I felt the power of her laughing. I felt all of the energies that she gives us on a daily basis and how grateful I am to be her, her mother. And then to think that Ilan gave that to his family, you know, like as, as a, as a toddler, you don't know about war. You don't know about hate. You don't know about violence. So all he gave the world up until that point was happiness. And I just, it just makes me weak. Yeah. And, and I like in that vein, um, I often, you know, when I am at my most like, like worst case scenario, crazy, like what if ha- something happened to my child, it's often when I'm holding him. And I just think about how the, the weight you feel when you're holding a kid and particularly your own kid is just unlike anything else, you know, only your kid at that moment in her life or in his life feels that way. will hold on to you that way. will put his head on you that way. Like feels that way in your arms. And it's just a different, like very tactile connection to see like a little human body. That's so close to the one that you, you, you have there, like the, the idea of never being able to feel that, that weight again, 
um, is just so tangible, so much more tangibly horrible than anything I've ever seen in the news before. As a parent, especially as a mother, um, you do start to think about, I will do anything to protect these yeah. little people, even, even when they're 35 year old little people, right? Like, unfortunately that part of you, I don't think ever goes away that you are, your life is now, uh, how do I say this without sounding, I don't know, it, to some extent your life is dedicated to protecting them. It, there, you might have yeah. interests and there are a lot of things that we are all interested in, but that is kind of like your focus in, in extreme situations. Yeah. Well, and this brings up, you know, this, I think, provide some context for some of the debates about like free range parenting and helicopter parenting and, and you know, <laughs> the kind of caring for your child brought to the, like past the logical conclusion that, um, we get in us and, you know, in Western, Western media discussions all over, um, that it's, it's a privilege to be able to protect your child. Like, you can't protect your child from everything, but everything that you can do to keep your kid from being, you know, physically killed or hurt right down to, like, you know, just being emotionally or psychologically smushed is an incredible privilege. And, and this, the, little, the little flickers that you see in your own life and the bigger stories that we've seen in the news that show how tenuous that privilege is are really frightening. So, yeah. So I, I think, um, I, uh, this brings up for me, another thing we, we saw seen in the news the last couple of days is the story of young Ahmed in Texas, who is from what I can see, totally brilliant. And this is a ninth grade <laughs> kid who, brought into school a clock that he made. I just want to I just want to take a moment. This is a ninth grader in Texas. <laughs> no dish on Texas. Like I went to Georgia public school and turned out fine, but I was not making clocks. He brings in a clock that he made with his hands and instead of the school system losing their minds with glee that they're going to send a kid to MIT and get fame and fortune for the rest of their lives. They had him freaking arrested. The pictures. Oh, Danielle, the pictures. Like, I simultaneously want to punch the world in the face and, like, just scoop up his <laughs> and pinch his cheeks and be like, you're in ninth grade. You look like you're in fifth grade. Like, you're adorable. What the hell is going on with this stupid world? Well, Kate, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm, when I go silent, it tends to be a problem for <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just here's 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 a couple of things that I'm thinking about this um one of the one of my colleagues brought up the point that they did not evacuate the building and I was upset before that point was brought to my attention <laughs> but then when you think about it and you think about how they viewed him as a air quotes threat which in our day and age unfortunately we have been in situations where people have done bad things and killed many people because of their their beliefs in some cases psychosis and others um but i think the point that they did not evacuate the building shows that there was actually not a threat 
or someone understood that there was not a threat. At some point, they decided not to evacuate that building, and that's the moment where I'm like, everybody needs to watch out, because if that were my child, I would be the one blowing up the building. Okay, because there is no way that you decide. I'd evacuate everyone first. Just just so we're clear, I'm not trying to harm anyone. Okay, but what I am saying is that you cannot say that something's a threat in one in one moment and then not take those precautions that would be the result of that threat. And yes, it was not something that was solicited by a teacher. You know, again, I've had conversations. So these are things I've been thinking through. Well, was it something that was solicited? They said, no, it was something he created on his own, which I think gives him extreme brownie points. Okay. But the crazy, the crazy part is that there were other adults. There was another adult, another teacher that saw it, understood what it was. No one thought to talk to that person. Before you arrest him and have photos taken, have him fingerprinted. Like, these are not actions that are based on anything besides subconscious fear and bias. Yeah. That is just what this is. And I think the, 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 I have so many thoughts on this. I just get angry because when you're raising a child that, you know, we have all of our friends of diverse backgrounds, you wonder, what are people thinking? And this, this is full circle back to how what another point that often makes nursery choosing caretaker difficult is because you're trying to find someone that doesn't have biases against your child for whatever reasons and whatever experiences they may have had. You know, if, if you're a person of color, if you are a person of um, a religious background that they disagree with, if you are in a same-sex relationship, you know, how do the people's perception of you as an adult and you as your and in, in the background of your child affect how they're going to care for you. And I think in this case, how they're going to allow you to educate yourself. Because if I can, as Ahmed, make something so that I can learn past your public school system, I'm not sure what you want me to do. Oh, man. And Danielle, I know you have stories about daycare providers and <laughs> their perceptions of you and other other children. Uh that is, it's... Yeah, it, it just gets disappointing. Yeah. I think that's it's where really it is. Disappointing. It's just really disappointing. Um, you know, and it's hard. It's hard for me because, full disclosure, listeners, I have a little white boy. He's going to grow up into a big white man. <laughs> he's already really tall. I mean, he's like, he's, he's, he's the establishment in tiny, adorable toddling form. <laughs> Um, like it's really cute to see the, the future of the establishment establishment wear like a pot on his head as a hat and be really proud of it. But yeah, it's, it's very weird to be in this position as a parent where you've got friends of different backgrounds who have kids of different backgrounds. Um, you've got daughters and sons and all of a sudden like, we're just not just adults who can say, like, well, you know, thank goodness I made it through. Like, our society sure is totally fucked, but, uh, but I've got, you know, I managed to get my degrees and I'm, you know, clear through on out. And you have to start thinking about what role you're playing, um, how you're going to protect your kids, how you're going to keep your kid from being part of that problem. This, this story really was, was hard, hard for me to watch 
because, you know, reading some of the comments, granted, not the vast majority of people, thankfully, like that gives you a lot of faith, but some people who are like, well, he could have been a threat, you know, my, I would want my school to take threats seriously. And it's like, well, how, like, how are you looking at this and not seeing your child as the kid in handcuffs? Oh, it's because your child would never be the kid in handcuffs. Like your kid could go in with a, like, frankly, my kid could walk into public school with a, um, you know, an imitation bomb. And as long as he's like generally polite and not squirrely, like he'd be fine. They'd be like, that is, that is really interesting, Arthur. Like that's fascinating. Good hustle, buddy. A plus plus. Um, and it's really <laughs> well, just for the record, Kate, just for yeah. the records, uh, my little, um, my, my little black daughter, she totally can too. Cause they don't want it with me. Okay. I will have everybody figuring out how to make sure that she can do whatever the hell she wants. And I mean, I think this was, you know, you posed this question to me as we were talking about it on, you know, before the show and we were kind of like, okay, well, how do you protect your kid and still yeah. allow them to be awesome. And you know, the reason why I didn't have an answer for you then, and I probably still don't have it now is because the way I have to think about it is it's not about her potential. It's about other people's perception of her. And it's less about whether it's going to harm her or halt her, because I hope that the environment that we raise her in is that she is, she is not deterred by any obstacle. But the fact is, is like, it's just so, I think what upsets me most is when people I have to deal. I think it's less... Okay, so I'm stuttering because it's the fact that I have to deal with the fact that someone else is looking at my infant, and, and, and my infant will be my infant for the rest of her life, and looking at her and judging her based on their issues, their insecurities, and their mis, misappropriated knowledge, right? Like, that that's, that's, that's what's most upsetting. And that's why the question is so hard for me, because it's like, I have to protect her by exposing her to the fact that people may think less of her, not only because she's a woman of color, but because she's a woman too, you know, like that doesn't help. But what it does is puts me in a position to be able to say, are not stopped by these experiences if they come across your desk. Um, one of the things that came came across to me when, when I was talking with friends about this was, oh, well, he's going to be set, right? Like, Ahmed's going to whatever college he wants to. He's going to get to meet the president. That was, they even said that before um, President, President Obama sent out his tweet. You know, so it, it's clear that he's going to have a certain level of notoriety here. But that's not the point. If we focus on him and have this conversation based on his individual experience, we are ignoring the multitude of students that are getting told that they're not enough, told that they're they're not capable because of other people's perceptions. To that point, I don't want people to think that I'm saying, oh, all teachers are bad. No, I think there are many teachers that are motivating and doing a great job, but this is the same situation when you talk about Black Lives Matter with, um, with the police uh, abuse issues. It's the same thing. It's that it's not about the mass majority that are doing their job at the best is the fact that we can't allow we we as a nation do not have the room to let through the cracks people judging other people based on their individual biases like we just don't have the space for that especially when it affects other people's long-term existence and one other thing that some that someone told me is that oh he'll be fine even if it was a difficult situation being handcuffed is something that only People who haven't been handcuffed can say is not traumatizing. 
Like you're handcuffed. Someone is telling you that you are a criminal. So yes, he made it out. But what about all the other students that are being handcuffed and let go, but they don't have the president inviting them over. They don't have people saying we stand with you, right? Like they're just now believing in themselves that they are just a criminal. And this is the thing is that, that, you know, his story is awful, but it's the, the, like the everyday little death, like that little scratch away at feeling like you are worth something that that's the stuff that adds up. And that's the stuff that you can't protect your kids against. Like that's, that's the stuff that scares the crap out of, out of me. And I think most parents, because if your kid gets slapped in handcuffs, chances, there's a good chance that you will at least find out about it and you can sit them down and, you know, you're never going to erase it, but you can talk about it. You can, you can make it part of a discussion. You can deal with it. You can bring it to media attention, something, but if it's just, you know, if it's just the teacher telling your, you know, your son, like, "Mm, you know, maybe college isn't for you. You know, maybe you're not very good at math. I think it's just not something you're good at. Or if it's your, you know, your, uh, your, your guidance counselor telling your daughter, like, you know, high school is one thing, but science gets really hard in college or even just, you know, little boys being, being not interested in having a conversation with you because you're a girl, even though you're interested in the same comic books. Like those are the little things that chances are as a parent, you'll never find out about. And unless it comes up years later when they're like, why the hell didn't I follow through on that thing I wanted to do? Like, when they finally finally read enough <laughs> read enough articles, talk to enough friends, um, I don't know how you figure that out in time to actually protect your kids. Like how how do you how do you protect your kids against just that everyday scratching away at their confidence and their um, their excitedness about the world? I don't know. Honestly, Kate, I, I think less, less so an answer more. So all I can say is that in my case, what I'd hope to do is to prepare her. Um, and, and yeah, you know, me, I'm always kind of trying to think about, you know, worst case scenario, can I deal with it? But you know, unfortunately, because of the demographic that we are a part of, I'm very proud of who I am, but there are just certain things that I need to prepare her for. And there may be many people that might disagree with this, but when it comes to having conversations about Ahmed, right, or or the students that are overlooked, I have to instill in her a sense of confidence that is, to some extent, unbreakable um, because it will get tapped at every day. And you know this as a woman. I know this as a black woman. It doesn't particularly stop. And I think what also gets crazy is when you start believing what other people tell you. Um, so we just need to do a better job. And, and I'm not saying this, like, this is something specific just to the black community. I think it's very much so to all parents encouraging that your child, despite whether or not they're the nerd, whether or not they're the, you know, just not the cool kid, maybe they're, they're cast as a athlete and not smart, you know, whatever the challenge is building them up in your house, in your family, with, amongst your friends as best possible to remember that their unique existence is valuable and necessary in this world. And the world is not meant to be easy for them. You know, if everything were laid out for them, it would not 
be interesting in any shape or form. So not to be daunted by those experiences to, you know, if they hurt, let them hurt, let them feel that. But all I can hope to do is allow her to feel the experiences as they come, but deal with them as they come. And I can only teach her general skills. And here's the, okay, and this is my last point. I can only do that if I can do that myself, right? Like I have to be able to deal with things and process them and be emotionally strong in my own self to then pass that on to my my daughter so this is where we're back to the whole point take care of yourself because if you don't put on your your mask first you can't take care of anybody else um so i don't know that that's that's all i have kate that's all i can give is i'm just (laughs) hoping to give her the emotional strength (laughs) you know that's that's it yeah 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 that i think brings it back to a, a good place which is Take care of yourself, mamas. Like, think through your think through your your own insecurities, and and if you find anything interesting in that uh, that kind of weird mental woodshed back there, um, I know I frequently do when we talk, Danielle. Uh, let us know about it. Like, we want to hear about the weird, crazy that parenthood brings up because it brings up, up so much. If you have any thoughts on this, any thoughts on some some of the stories that have come up this week um, on dropping your kid off at nursery, on turning responsibility for your kid over to somebody that you don't know, um, otherwise on how to how to feel like you're protecting your kids while you're also taking care of yourself, we'd really like to hear about it. That would make us very happy. Um, we're on Tumblr and we're on Facebook and we would love for you to reach out. Talk to us, mamas. We love you. And with that, Kate, we get to say, go ahead, mama. See you guys next time or hear you. Man, I should say here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mamas. You're the new mama, but you don't know what to do. Danielle and Kate got some baby advice for you.